Good morning. So good to have you. Uh, this is funny because this series is called Nothing Ordinary, and that was an ordinary stop right there, was it? Um, but we're excited to have you here this morning, and this is a very special day. It's out of the ordinary because this is the day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, and we're excited for what he's doing, and, and we're excited for what he's going to do um, here this morning. This, this month, we've been looking at nothing ordinary in Jesus's life and how Jesus, we started with Jesus giving, um, how Jesus gives, and then we talked about Jesus lives. And today we're talking about Jesus saves and this idea that we can have hope, not just for this life, but for eternity, and that there's this amazing message that we can, we can uh, receive and we can live and, and we can have salvation. Um, but before we go there this morning, I wanted to share a little bit about uh, my life and, and something we do as Baileys. Um, every Easter, uh, my dad did this with me as a child growing up, and his mom did it with them, him and his family as they were growing up. And she grew up, uh, her family was from Greece, and they did this in Greece growing up. And it's a, it's a game we do every Easter. And so I'm going to ask my daughter to come up, and we're going to play the game for you so you can see it this morning. Uh, you get two hard-boiled eggs, and you can color them. And my daughter, Anastasia. Anastasia in Greek means resurrection. Come on up, girl. Thank you very much. Now, which color would you like? Blue. You want to go with blue? Everyone picks blue. Okay. All right. So here's how this game works. Uh, We both point our eggs with uh, the pointed sides. I guess it's a point on an egg. I don't know. And I say, Christos Aneste, which means Christ is risen. And you say, Alethos Aneste. All right. Here we go. Christos Aneste. And then we hit eggs. Ah, you beat me. All right, so then you go on the top, and I go on the bottom, and you say Christos and Este. Christos and Este. And I say Alethos and Este. And then we hit eggs. Aha, now we have to go to sudden death. (laughs) Now, I am on the top, you are on the bottom. This is for the championship. This will determine who the winner is this morning. Christos and Este. Oh, you won! Good job, girl. Way to go. Excellent. All right, leave that egg with me. All right. So the question is, what in the world does this have to do with the resurrection of Jesus? I have no idea. (laughs) This is something they started. I don't know why they came up with the idea. Hey, let's take hard-boiled eggs and let's break them against each other and uh, make it a game. And we'll add uh, Christos Aneste and Alethos Aneste in it. But it does remind us Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. So... Another one of our traditions in our family that we got from the ancient book of Pinterest. (laughs) Very ancient, very many great and wise things in it. Um, So we take jelly beans on the Saturday before uh, the Sunday of Easter and we plant them. And when I say plant, we just drop them on the ground in our yard. Um, And I don't know if you know this or not, but if you plant jelly beans... On the Saturday before Easter, um, during the night, they grow into lollipops. Did you know that? So I got in trouble this morning, because I said this in the first service, and I was walking through the hall, and I hear one of the kids say, Mom and Dad, did you hear what Pastor Mike said? He said, if you plant jelly beans, you will grow suckers in your yard. So I I don't really mean that. It's it's kind of a joke, I guess. (laughs) And so, um, we've done this for about five years. And my son, when he was about eight years old, he started to ask me some questions. And he said, Dad, um, how come they have no roots? How do they get moisture? How do they grow? And then, how do they get a wrapper on them? 
And he starts asking some good scientific questions. And I'm like, just enjoy your sucker, please. <laughs> Don't have to think this through so much. Um, but here's my point this morning. Here's the point. Maybe you're here this morning, and the idea of this Jesus person dying on a cross and then coming back to life, it just seems irrelevant. Um, you know, maybe the church thing, the religious thing, that's it's just, you know, you came here and you're like, that's just not for me. I don't know how it works in my life today. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I'm glad you're here if you feel that way. Um, we're... This is part of why we meet, is to encourage each other and to talk about these things. Or maybe you're here and um, you grew up in church or you knew people that grew up in church and the more questions you asked about it, um, the deeper you went, you just had too many questions and you just said, you know what, I don't know if I can trust this. I don't know if this is real or true. And what I would ask for all of us here this morning is just to be honest with ourselves to be honest with these questions, because I think these are extremely important questions that we have in life. And I don't think that we sugarcoat it or overlook it. Um, and especially as church, we are not to, to dismiss these. Um, but I do believe that, that you can have hope and faith in this message. And that's my prayer this morning. And my prayer isn't that I talk you into anything or that um, you're convinced by anything that we do here, but that God himself speaks to you, your heart. He speaks to your mind and that you hear from him clearly, and that you trust it because you know him. And you trust it because you know it's real deep within you. And so the question I have that we're going to kind of dive into um, this morning is, what do you believe? It's Easter morning. There's probably a couple billion people celebrating this event. You know, you think about it, it's really a strange thing. A guy who grew up in a place, um, in a time when there was no real communications, in a place that wasn't really that impactful and really only had 12 close friends, he made such an impact on history that we time life. We're 2019 because of this man's life. And so the question is, what do you believe about that man? What do we believe? And so I'm going to ask the Lord to speak to us now. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for these moments. Thank you for these times that we can gather together and sing such powerful songs and take just moments to think about our lives. Think about something past the next couple weeks, but to think about all of our life and possibly what's after this life. And so, Lord, I ask you that you would give us what we need right now, that you would give us the truth, that you would give us Um, understanding. And Lord, as we dive into this message, this this amazing, beautiful message of grace where you you laid yourself down, you submitted to the Father, and you you were willing to be sacrificed for us on the cross, Lord, help us then to also be gracious with each other. Lord, as we navigate this book, you spoke into John's life. You lived with John and and you showed him and revealed to him so many things and and he saw it firsthand. I pray, Lord, that his writing would would resonate with us and that um, your spirit would be connected to these words and and that, Lord, it would would penetrate our minds and penetrate our thoughts and and then penetrate our actions that, that, Lord, we wouldn't just know these things but that we would live these things. 
And Lord, I pray that you would protect us now as we go into this place where um, we're looking at things that are bigger than just the physical world, bigger than just the day-to-day, that these are things that are out of the ordinary. These are things that are beyond us. Lord, we pray that you would protect us as we journey through this. Help us to trust you. Help us to know you. Uh, We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, we'll be looking at John chapter 20. Um, It's the fourth of the Gospels, and uh, John is giving us an eyewitness account of what's going on. And before we look at the scripture, I just want to kind of give a a big picture here, a big picture, because um, this is so important to what's going on. And so I think for all people of all time, we would agree that there's something wrong with the universe. There's something wrong with planet Earth. There's something wrong within us. Um, There's disease, there's sickness, there's pain, um, there's struggle, there's drama, (laughs) there's all kinds of things in life that are not good and that are challenging and hard and tough. And so throughout time, we as people have tried to understand what is the purpose of this, where did it come from, what is it? And we're told through these 66 books that have been accumulated over 1,400 years, that that God, the singular God, spoke into the world and he spoke to individuals and and he basically said, um, there is this thing called sin, this thing that separates us, this thing that causes the problem, this thing that is the issue, it's the problem of life. And he spoke into people at different places and different times and he said, I'm not ignoring this. I am not overlooking this problem. I do have an answer to this problem. And, and for about a thousand years, people were waiting for God's solution to this issue. We've been waiting for the solution. And there were prophets who said, it's coming. God's going to send an individual and this individual is going to deal with this problem. He's going to bring hope and bring life and deal with the mess and deal with the, the pain of life and the separation that we have from God because of that. And so for, for many years, they're waiting. And then all of a sudden, this young man raises up. Um, he has a unique birth. He has a unique life. He's, he's out of the order. He's nothing ordinary about this young man. Um, he raises up, and all of a sudden, he's healing blind people. And um, he's, he's helping people who couldn't walk now walk. And, and not, not only is he doing that, he's, we're told he's walking on water himself. And, and he's actually calling someone who's been dead back to life. And he says he can forgive sins and that he is the one that that the prophets had foretold, that he was this guy that was going to save everybody and that he was the answer to the problem of this world. But then something happened that threw everybody off. Something happened that mixed everybody up and and that was when he was uh, arrested And he was taken to this cross, and here's the hope, here's the one they've been waiting for, here is the guy that they've been waiting thousands of years for, and he's dead. And not only is he dead, he's mutilated, and and he's mocked, and he's ridiculed, and, and he's taken to a place beyond even the norm, placed on this Roman cross. Everyone flees, his disciples flee, and and they don't know what to do next, and everyone has lost faith. And what happened? I thought this was the answer. I thought this this was the truth. This is where we were supposed to be, and and everyone ran. Three days later, three days later, he's alive. He's alive. He's alive, and and the the Marys, the two Marys go to the tomb, and there's an angel there, and they say, why are you looking for the living here where the dead are? 
Why are you looking to the living amongst the dead? He is risen. He is alive. And the Marys go back and they tell the disciples and they don't believe him. And then finally, there's this moment where the disciples are interacting and Jesus is alive and they're overwhelmed that this is true. How could this be true? This is the most magnificent, most powerful moment in the history of the world. And then they begin to understand that everything he said lined up exactly with what he did and that he's alive. But here it is. One of the disciples wasn't with him. One of the disciples didn't show up. And this is where we get the account of John. He writes this to us so that we would understand a little bit more and go a little bit deeper with this message. John 20, verse 24. But Thomas, one of the 12, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, we have seen the Lord, we have seen the Lord, we have seen the Lord. You know, I don't know if at that moment Thomas had a little FOMO. Does anyone know what that is? Fear of missing out. He missed out on something pretty awesome. But he had disengaged. He had disengaged. He decided he was not going to be with them. We don't know why he wasn't with them. He had disengaged from the group. He had basically said, I've had enough. I'm not on board. And he's disengaged. He separated himself. And now we find out why he disengages. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, um, the imprints of the nails and And I put my fingers into the place of the nails and put my hands into his side. I will not believe. I will not believe. Here are my qualifications for believing. I must see it and I must touch it. We call him doubting Thomas, but he really wasn't a doubter. He was just not believing. He didn't believe. It didn't matter how much his friends told him this was true. It didn't matter the fervency of how they said it. It didn't matter um, that he, was, he, he respected them. And I can see that place where, where he's saying, I'm not going to be tricked into this. I'm not going to fall into this trap again. This is too big for me. It's too much for me to handle. It's too much for me to accept. You want me to accept something I will not accept. That Jesus is alive again. How could this be possible? I, I followed him. I, I saw all that stuff. I was eyewitness to him, you know, multiplying the bread and the loaves or the, the fish and the loaves. I was there when he did this stuff. But this, this is too far. I, I can't trust this. My heart was broken. My, my, my trust was broken. I cannot believe this. And the only way I'm going to believe it, these are the parameters. He has to prove himself to me to this level now. The one thing I respect about Thomas is that he didn't didn't just give in because his friends were saying it's true. And this morning, I can say it's true to me a million times. I hope you don't believe it just because I say that. I respect Thomas that he wasn't just going to go along because everyone else was going in that direction. He decided that this is what I truly believe. This is who I really am. Here's what happens, though. After eight days, his disciples were again inside. 
Really quick, this is amazing. John adds this because if he doesn't add this, we don't know the time period between when they have this conversation with him and then when this next event happens. And eight days is a long time. I know if I was one of the disciples and I was trying to talk Thomas into this, eight days, I'd be like, Thomas, you can't, how do you not believe? I told you I saw him. But for eight days, Thomas just stuck to his guns and said, no, I do not believe it. I don't care what you saw. It isn't real. I don't believe it. His disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. And Jesus came to the doors, having been shut. And he stood there in his midst and he said, peace be with you. Peace be with you. This is amazing thing, this image here, that Thomas has closed the door of his life. He's closed the door of his heart. I don't know if you've ever been there where you say, God, I will not trust you. I cannot believe this. I'm closing the door to this possibility. I'm closing the door. And Jesus walks through the door even though it's closed. He walks through the door and he doesn't say, and this is, you know, this is where, in my, where if I was Jesus, I would have come in and said, Thomas, how do you not believe? I showed your, the, your disciples. I did all these things before you. How are you not believing this? And, and I would have been like, you, you, what's the deal, Thomas? But that's not what Jesus does. He says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. When I died on that cross and I rose again, I established peace. Peace now with death, peace with God, peace with the turmoil that lives within you. I have come to set you free so you can have peace, peace with the stress of life, peace with the the uncertainty of life. You now can have peace, and that's what I'm offering. Peace is what I'm giving. And so the closed door was there, but it didn't stop Jesus from coming in and offering peace. Jesus offers peace through a closed door. He then said to Thomas, reach here with your fingers and see my hands. And reach here, your hands, and put them in my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. Jesus shows up. He's there. Not only is he there, he actually goes to Thomas and says, look, you see these? Do you see this? I did it for you. I sacrificed. I took those nails in my hand. I I took that spear in my side so that you can have life, so that you can have hope. Jesus reveals to Thomas not through even the logic of it. He reveals that his scars are his truth and love. He can relate to us because we've been through the mess. He's been through the mess. But not only can he relate to us, he can bring hope to us. Because even in the mess, he has overcome the mess. This is an amazing thing. His truth and his love. 
And in this moment, Thomas hears this, he sees this, he feels this, he recognizes that it's true. He recognizes that, that this is what's happening, how this is Jesus, he's back, and, and it's true. And, and we know this so much so that now Thomas is so engaged with Christ. And look what he says. He says, Thomas answered him and said to him, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God. He basically turns and says, I was, I was in disbelief. I could not believe it. It was too, too much for me to believe. And now that I see it and now that I know it is true, I will not hold anything back from you, Jesus. I will not hold anything back from you. You are my Lord, meaning you are the authority in my life. You are the one I look to for all of that I am, from being a, a person, from being a dad, a husband, to my job, to my relationships, to my finances. You are the Lord of everything that I am. I submit it all to you. And not only are you my Lord, he says something that is almost blasphemous to a Jewish person of the time. He says, you are my God. You are my God. You are the one who gives me life. You are the one who gives me hope. You are the one who has established all things. And I am trusting it all in you now. I am placing everything that I am and I am giving it to you because I believe you save. You save. And, and Jesus listens to this. And he realizes that Thomas has given him his heart and given him his will. And Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. Blessed are they who have not seen and yet believe. So here it is. Here it is this morning. As we come to this place where we celebrate this event of resurrection, as we celebrate the fact that Jesus saves, it's completely out of the ordinary. But here it is. What if? What if this morning the disciples, God said, I'm going to let the disciples come back to life, and they're going to come into this gym, and they're going to stand on this stage, and they're going to say, this is real. We saw Jesus. It's real. It's absolutely real. We saw him. We talk to him. We're with him. Would you believe? This morning, if that happened, would you believe? Would you put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Savior? If Thomas walked into this room and walked onto this platform and he stood before you and he said, it's true. Jesus, let me touch the scars. Jesus, let me see him and and I absolutely know it's true. Would you believe? If Jesus walked in here and, and he stood on the stage and he said, I'm here, I've, I've done this for you. I've done this for you. Would you believe? When I think about my own life and I think about this, I think about the fact that it wasn't anyone saying it to me. It wasn't one person saying it. It wasn't my parents. It wasn't any pastor. It wasn't any person saying, you need to believe this. It was in my soul. Yes. <laughs> it was in my soul that I heard God say, will you trust me and accept me? as your Savior and your Lord. 
It was nothing anyone could convince me of. It wasn't something that, that I was, you know, just whatever you say, I'm going to follow. It was something in my soul. It was something that the only way God could communicate in a way that I, I couldn't explain it to you even now. But I know it's real. And in that moment, and in these moments, he says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. When you say, I believe that Jesus is my Lord and my God and that he has saved me, it releases this freedom. It releases a freedom. I don't have to impress people. I don't have to do anything because I just need to submit to him. And he brings peace and he brings hope and he brings salvation. But I truly believe he speaks that into your heart. And maybe this very moment he's speaking to you. Maybe this very moment he's speaking to you. And my encouragement and my challenge, this is Easter. This is the day where we celebrate something that never has happened since, something that's changed all of time. And the message of Easter is this, that you can receive peace with God. You can receive peace in your heart and you can receive salvation. Because Jesus came to save us from this messy, messy world and the mess that's within us and the mess that separates us from God. So this is my question for myself every day. My question this morning, is Jesus your Lord and God? Is Jesus your Lord and God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for creating John and inspiring John to write these words and telling us about Thomas. And thank you for showing Thomas who you are. Lord, I pray this morning as we celebrate your resurrection that we don't miss out on your love and your grace. So Lord, I thank you for the hope that you've given us. I thank you for the truth that you've given us. I thank you for the salvation that you've given us. And Lord, I pray that you would guide our steps and help us to trust you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I'm very excited to have Naima Malango here with us. Um, Naima has made the decision to receive Jesus as her Lord and Savior. Um, Naima, as you enter the pool of baptism... Naima, have you given your heart and life to Jesus? Yes. Do you plan to live for him the rest of your life? Yes. 
Well, because you've made this commitment in obedience to the Lord's command, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, raised to live a spirit-filled life. Amen. Amen. Um, We are so excited as you take your next step in your faith journey and walking with him and letting all of your friends and family know this morning that you are choosing Jesus every day of your life. I'm going to ask you um, to take a taste of this salt and just put it on your tongue. (laughs) Salt has a really strong flavor, especially by itself. Um, And in Matthew 5, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. And Naima, I want you to remember that as you go forth today, that you are called to be the salt of the earth. You are called to bring the flavor of Jesus everywhere you go. I'm also going to give you a reminder. This light right here says, you are the light of the world. And Jesus has given us his light. As we choose to walk with him, you're going to take this as a reminder and you're going to go forth and you are going to bring light to a dark and broken world. And Jesus is going to be in you and shining bright to all those you meet. Congratulations. So we're so excited about what God is doing here at Gaten, and a lot of this we can't do unless we partner together and you um, generously give uh, to what we're doing here. And so each week we take a time and we say, let's be generous, let's give to God and and let's do uh, what he calls us to do and trust him in everything we're doing. And so uh, in a few minutes here, we are going to, we're just going to take a time and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being so generous to us going to the cross, paying for our sins, and and say thank you. What a blessing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for, for dying for us. And Lord, as we take these moments to contemplate, to think about what you've done, Lord, I pray that we would sense your peace in our hearts. You would sense your love and your desire for us to walk together all the days of our lives. Lord, I thank thank you that you've built this family and that we can come together and that we can generously serve our community and we can generously serve each other. And Lord, I pray that you just bless this time. We are so grateful. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.